This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. They're the most vulnerable ones in society, our children. Yet, thousands of kids are abused each year by adults, many of whom never thought they'd lose control. The major misperception is to think that it cannot happen to you. People can get very frustrated, they can feel very stressed, and when they do, they can make a mistake. Then, could your retirement end up becoming a nightmare? We'll talk to an expert on how to keep your nest egg from getting cracked. You want to first attack, what are your needs going to be in retirement? And sometimes people say, I'm never going to retire. But there is a thing called financial independence, which buys you a little bit of freedom. Those two stories, and much more, are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stay with us. Our show begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Children are vulnerable at any age. But a recent study found that when it comes to child abuse, the first year of life is the most dangerous of all. InfoTrack's Taryn McCall is here with important information for every parent. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Dr. John M. Leventhal, professor of pediatrics at Yale Medical School. He was the lead author of a study that looked at child abuse in America. I think the most eye-opening stat in your research was the age that children are most likely to be hospitalized as a result of abuse. Let's start there. First of all, what we were looking at was children who were hospitalized for serious injuries. And those children tended to be less than three years of age, and the majority were less than one year of age. When you look at child abuse around the country, including physical abuse, sexual abuse, and neglect, children are subjected to those kinds of experiences at all ages. So we were just focusing on children who were hospitalized for serious injuries, and those tended to be very young. Is child abuse becoming more or less common today? I think it's becoming less common. It is hard to sort that out, but the data from Child Protective Service agencies, those are the agencies that citizens and professionals have to report to in various states around the country, report fewer cases that are substantiated. That is, cases that the agency believes are abuse, neglect, or sexual abuse. There's been a dramatic decrease in the last 20 years related to physical abuse, with substantiations down by about 50 to 55 percent, and the same for sexual abuse. So I think things are better in this country. Every new parent is aware of sudden infant death syndrome. It certainly gets a lot more attention than child abuse, but which is actually more common? Well, SIDS, or sudden infant death syndrome, sometimes called crib death, occurs in about 50 per 100,000 births each year in the United States, and those are children between zero and one year of age. We found in our study that the rate of serious physical abuse in children less than one year of age was almost the same as that of SIDS, and we were actually surprised about that. There is a national campaign to remind and tell every mother and father of a newborn to keep their child on their back when the child's asleep. Also, latest recommendations include removing bumpers, removing soft pillows, and basically the baby should be sleeping face up on a flat and firm surface like a mattress. We don't remind our parents of newborns that children can be abused, that crying can be very troublesome, frustrating, worrisome to parents, 
and that sometimes that frustration can result in a child being hurt by an adult like a mother or father. And we need to figure out a way to make that a national campaign comparable to the campaign called Back to Sleep related to SIDS prevention. The logical conclusion is that an abuser is a parent, but can you bring it into focus a little more than that? Certainly when we're dealing with serious injuries related to physical abuse, the most likely abuser is the parent. They are around the child the most. The study I did didn't shed any light on that, on the specifics of who abuses, but we know from other studies that men are more likely to abuse than women related to these young infants. That includes fathers, stepfathers, and mothers' boyfriends. Mothers also can end up hurting their children, and sometimes babysitters can as well. Of course, there's no rational excuse, but what are the factors that drive these parents to violence? You're exactly right. There is no reasonable explanation related to what happens, but we know that being exhausted, that happens with new parents, being frustrated, not knowing what the baby wants, the baby cries, the crying can be quite irritating. You can hold the baby, cuddle the baby, rock the baby, feed the baby, change the baby, and still the baby's frustrated and crying. And what happens? Parents can lose it. There are things that may play a role into that. For instance, if you were abused growing up, maybe you've learned something about violence and don't know how to control yourself. If you're having problems with substance abuse, maybe that will play a role. If you're in a domestic violence relationship, maybe that will play a role. If you're stressed because you're impoverished, maybe that will play a role. So these factors can coalesce in a single parent and result in a child being injured. We know, though, that it can happen at any socioeconomic status, and it can happen to any parent. So I think it's important for parents to remember that if they are frustrated, if they are irritated with their baby, with their two-year-old, with their six-year-old, walk away. Don't hit, don't hurt, and certainly don't hurt in a serious way that can result in the child coming into the hospital. Is there one type of injury that's most common? In the children that we saw, the most common injury leading to a child being hospitalized was abusive head injury. So this is bleeding around the brain, in the brain, and it results in the child often becoming unconscious, needing respiratory support, and sometimes those children died. We also found in our study the second most common injury was children with fractures. Additionally, children might have abdominal injuries, that is the internal organs. They may have burns. They might have bruises. So those are the kind of injuries the children had. What else can be done to reduce the rate of child abuse in the U.S.? There are three strategies that are now in place in various communities around the country. One is home visiting, in which a new parent is asked whether they would like to participate in a home visiting program. These home visitors might be paraprofessionals who are trained. They might be nurses. And the paraprofessional nurse goes out on a weekly basis and provides advice on parenting. There's a parenting curriculum they use. They help with various stresses that the parents might be under and help both the mother and father be a more effective parent. And probably somewhere between four to 500,000 families are receiving those services in this country in various communities around the country. Another effort is education. In North Carolina and western Pennsylvania, and in British Columbia, there are interventions going on where every mother and father of a newborn in the hospital is reminded that babies cry, it's common, it can be frustrating, and don't shake or hurt the baby. And those efforts are now being studied by investigators, pediatricians, and others to see if that education that's provided 
to mothers and fathers early on and then is repeated in the pediatric offices, maybe with community service announcements through the media, through billboards, can make a difference in these communities. And that's being studied and tracked over time. And we'll know more about that in the next year or so. And finally, I just want to say one other thing. There are communities that have actually taken on the resolve of figuring out ways to be more helpful to parents, starting at birth with the newborn and extending into the early school years. What can the community do in a more positive way to be helpful? Making parenting groups available short time, reminding parents that there are resources that they can go to if they're in trouble, and making it part of the fabric of the community that people are there to support parents as opposed to having parents feeling isolated, alone, frustrated, and ending up doing something that they regret. In the course of your research, what did you find is the most common misconception about child abuse? I would say the major misperception is to think that it cannot happen to you. People can get very frustrated, they can feel very stressed, and when they do, they can make a mistake. So I would think that all new parents should think about this possibility. The mother should talk to the father and say, you know, I've heard this guy Leventhal talk. I went to a parenting program. I know it can occur. Please make sure when I'm away and you, Dad, are taking care of the baby, that if you're feeling upset, worried, or frustrated, call me. Don't lash out at our baby. Same thing to say to grandparents. Same thing to say to babysitters. So if the community understands this, we'll do better by our children. Dr. John M. Leventhal, Professor of Pediatrics at Yale Medical School, thanks for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Taryn McCall. Next, could your retirement become a living nightmare? How to keep your nest egg from getting cracked. Coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 